So if you'll open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, we are talking today about uh, the fourth commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day. So Exodus chapter 20, we'll read the first four commandments and we will talk then about the fourth one. What it is, and especially what God is telling us not to do, what is forbidden in this fourth commandment. Exodus 20, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, do raise our hearts to life with you as we hear your word this morning. Father, we thank you for your law that tells us who you are and who you would have us to be. And we thank you that the law comes in a gospel context of being delivered out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Father, as your redeemed people this morning, help us to hear your law. Help us to understand both the condemnation and the forgiveness, the cleansing, the absolution that we have in Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts with the desire to keep your law because we love your Son. And we want to do everything that he asks us to do as our Redeemer. Thank you for this commandment. Help us to remember creation, to remember redemption not to profane this day, nor to profane it by excessive keeping. Rather, help us to keep it exactly as you would have us to. We pray these things, Father, asking that you would help us all to focus and listen. Help me to speak boldly, powerfully, and accurately to your people. In the name of your Son, we pray these things. Amen. Well, we spent... Quite a bit of time last week talking about some of the more obvious questions relating to the Sabbath, especially what does it mean and when is it? And as I pointed out last week, the command does not actually mention a week. It mentions a pattern of six on, one off, but it never says the week. It never mentions the word the week or says anything about the six days of the week. You shall labor the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath. 
In other words, in order to bring the idea of a particular weekday into this command, you have to bring it. It's not in the text of the command. What's in the command is the pattern. Six on, one off. Six on, one off. And the which day of the week should be that day off is specified elsewhere. In the New Testament, it's specified by the regular, almost monotonous repetition of the idea that the apostles and the early church met for worship on the first day of the week. First day of the week is the only day of the week that's even mentioned in the New Testament. There's nothing about Tuesday or Friday. It only says on the first day of the week they gathered to break bread. And in fact, that first day of the week is called the Lord's Day in Revelation 1.10, the day belonging to the Lord, with that special adjective meaning Lord's, which is only found in one other title, the Lord's Supper, the meal belonging to the Lord. So, we're not going to rehash all 45 minutes of last week's sermon, but we can take it for granted for the rest of this time that Sabbath means not seventh, but pause. Hebrew word Sabbath means pause. It means stop. Stop running around like the chicken with your head cut off. Be still. Be with God. Sabbath means pause. The day is fixed, not by the commandment, but elsewhere in Scripture. The New Testament fixes the one day off as the first day of the week. So anyway, all of that last week, what is required in the fourth commandment? Today we do the flip side, the negative side. What is forbidden in the fourth commandment? What does the fourth commandment tell us not to do? And the answer is that it forbids the defective keeping of pause day or the Sabbath day. And it also forbids the excessive keeping of the day. People can break this commandment by defect, by failure to keep the Sabbath sufficiently. People also break this commandment by excess, by keeping the Sabbath too much, overdoing it. So we're going to look at both of those sides of what's forbidden. The fourth commandment forbids the defective keeping. The fourth commandment forbids the excessive keeping of the Sabbath day. We'll talk, of course, first about the easy one, the defective keeping. What does it look like to not keep this day enough? And the answer is simple. It's profaning the day by working on it. We saw last time that the commandment commands two things. It commands holiness and it commands rest. Don't work, be holy. People have erred in two directions on that as well. They've said, well, the main thing is not working. It's a day of rest, so I stay home and rest. I don't strive for holiness on this day because it's a day of rest. So I just crash. When I was in high school, some of our closest friends were a family that seemed to get sick every Sunday. We never saw them sick on another day of the week. Monday through Saturday, they were right as rain and they were always well, but on Sunday, it seemed like at least two Sundays a month, somebody was sick. We couldn't figure out the pattern, but clearly that is something that relates to too much rest on this day to the exclusion of of holiness. Others say, no, holiness is the main thing. We don't rest on God's day. We strive for holiness all day long. We're always reading the Bible, always praying, always in worship, always with God's people. We do that 
all day long. There is no rest because the Sabbath is about holiness. Both those factions are wrong. The commandment says rest is holiness. Or rather, it's a day made holy by resting. Holiness is not something other than or incompatible with rest. God says, if you want to be holy, if you want to exist for me, stop it! Stop your work. Stop running around. Stop focusing on everything that has to be done right now. Take a break and be with me. Holiness and rest are two sides of the same coin, says the fourth commandment. And therefore, defective keeping of the Sabbath day lies in profaning the day, violating its holiness by working on it. And interestingly, this is the only commandment that tells you to force those under your charge to keep it. The other, commandment doesn't, the other commandments don't say, <clears throat> you shall not commit adultery, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor your stranger who is within your gates. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you shall not kill, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant. Only this commandment tells you, don't do it, and don't let those under your authority do it either. Now let's talk about that. But first, of course, God says, don't you do it. You don't break this commandment by working on pause day. Now in order to figure this out, we have to first understand what is work. People get all tied up on this. It's not very complicated. Work is simply your daily calling, the things that you have to do, that you ought to do in your station in life. Typically, if you're a prime age, if you're not very young or very old, you have one of three callings. You are uh, working, you've got a day job where you make money. Or you are a student, and you've got some studies that you have to do. Or you are a homemaker, you're working within a domestic context. But almost all of us, if you're, say, older than about four years old, or younger than roughly mid-80s for most of us, you have work and tasks that you have to accomplish on a daily basis. If you're, very, if you're you know, five to ten years old, you probably have some chores around the house. If you're a regular old adult, you've got a day job. You've got a house to take care of, a yard to take care of, cars that break down, roof leaks in the roof. You've got things that the boss needs done. All these things, that's all part of your calling. So people get into the question, all kinds of silly questions. Well, is it work if I pick this up and carry it across the room? God, again, says, don't. Think about it in those terms. As I said last week, this commandment is like the other commandments. The sixth commandment forbids killing, and therefore it requires health. It requires doing what you can to keep yourself alive. But I've never had anyone come to me and say, 
Pastor, I ate Fruit Loops and a banana for breakfast. Did I just violate the Sixth Commandment? Am I killing myself by that terrible high-sugar diet? Nobody comes and says, are Fruit Loops forbidden by the Sixth Commandment? And nobody should come and say, is driving across town on Sunday forbidden by the Fourth Commandment? God is not interested in those details. That is not the question. Rather, he's talking about your ordinary daily work. Monday, I get up, I have to be at work at 9 in the morning, and I have to be there working until 5 p.m. I work all day at my day job. Now, that doesn't mean you were there 24 hours. It doesn't mean that every minute that you were at work, you were doing something productive for the company. It just means you can fairly say, I spent the day working. Monday was given over to the job. And in the same way, pause day should be given over to not the job, should be given over to resting so that you can fairly say, I spent Sunday not working, not doing stuff for my boss, not doing stuff for my house, my car, my yard, my animals, but just resting, not performing the ordinary works of my ordinary calling. So if you're called as a student, you have homework and you have class. If you're called as an employee, you have a boss. If you're called as a homeowner, you have maintenance. If you're called as a younger child, you have your daily chores. God has given us a period of Sabbath rest for the very young and the very old. You know, if you're six months old, a year old, your day job is to love, to play, to eat, to sleep. And same if you're over 90. That's your day job. That's your calling. God has given us Sabbath rest at the beginning and end of our life. And if you're incapacitated in that way, don't worry about, what is my daily work? How do I take it off for Sunday? You don't have daily work. Your life is a continual Sabbath. <coughs> Praise God and enjoy that calling. But most of us have a calling of regular, ordinary work as an employee, as a student, as a homeowner, car owner, animal owner, parent, etc., etc. So this commandment is for those who have daily work. And it specifically addresses you, typically. The typical person to whom the commandment is addressed is somebody who's old enough to have a son and a daughter, a manservant and a maidservant, and some animals, and a home. But young enough to have living parents, honor your father and mother, and so on. Now that's most of us in this room. You are the target audience for this commandment. And God says to you, don't profane my day by doing your thing on my day. It's not your day, it's my day. So do my thing on my day. And my thing, God tells us that his thing that he wants us to do on this day is to knock it off. Rest. Take the day off. So he says it to you. And he also says it to your household. And he lists out the members of the household. Son, daughter, manservant, maidservant, ox, stranger. Whoever is in the home, your children, your animals, your guests, they too are not to profane the day by working on it. 
They are supposed to honor the day, honor the God of the day, by resting on this day. So, right, if you're a student, no homework on this day. If you are a parent, you still have to parent. If you're an animal owner, you still have to feed your animals. God is saying, insofar as you can let stuff go, let it go. If you're a parent, slash that chore chart to the bone. Don't make the kids work as hard on this day as on the other days. Give them some time off. That's what God is saying, including your employees, your manservant, your maidservant. If you have people working for you, don't make them work on this day. Now we're going to talk about the exceptions in a few moments. Don't get all hinked up on that. Today, right now, we're talking about the main point of the commandment, which is, this is God's day that he made holy, and he says, you keep it holy by resting from your ordinary calling. So, how do we apply this? Well, some of us have actual employees in an actual business that we run. God says simply, don't make those people work on this day. Give them my day off. And he's also saying, if you patronize other businesses on this day, stop it. Don't do that. Restaurant employees, grocery store employees, tire shop employees, wherever you go and shop or spend money on God's day, you shouldn't be doing that because that is the equivalent of your manservant, your maidservant. Not a permanent job, but a temporary job. I'm hiring the Smith's clerk to check me out. I'm hiring the restaurant employee to serve me. And as far as the text of the command goes, it's clear. That is not acceptable for a child of God. You can ask any restaurant server you want, what's the worst shift of the week? Everyone will tell you that Sunday lunch is the worst shift to work in any restaurant. All those grumpy Christians rushing out of church who don't tip. Why are we like that? Why do we have such a bad reputation on Sunday? It's because we're doing what we shouldn't have been doing. God says, don't do that. Saying they're open anyway is the exact equivalent of saying pornography is on the web anyway. Me patronizing that won't make any difference as to whether it's there or not. Maybe that's true. Obviously it's actually false because if there was no demand there would be no supply. But regardless, if somebody else somewhere is doing something bad, you keep your tail out of it. It's not an excuse to say, well, they're doing it anyway. So it doesn't matter if I go join them and encourage them and pay them money to work for me on a day that God says they get off. And so God actually mentions that, not just your home, not just your employees, but actually your whole city is supposed to keep this commandment. Because he says, your stranger who is within your gates. Now, yes, that refers to the guest in the private household, but more broadly, it refers to the immigrant within the city. This word gates never refers to a private home. The gates are gates of the city. The city has gates to keep out bad guys. So the word door is, the door is what's on a home. 
gates apply to the whole city. And God says, stranger within your gates should not be working on this day. He might be an Assyrian. He might be a Babylonian. He might be that man of Tyre that Nehemiah mentioned, the Tyrian who had no concept of the Sabbath and was happy to sell stuff all day. Nehemiah said, no, you will not do that here. This day is God's day, and you're going to camp outside the walls. You are not allowed to come in and sell on the Sabbath. God says this command applies to the whole city. It's kind of interesting along these lines. Trading hours on the New York Stock Exchange are extremely reasonable. The exchange is open 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. It takes all holidays off. Why do I mention that? Just to say that rich people are very careful to give themselves free evenings and weekends. Are they so careful to ensure that poor people have the same opportunities? <laughs> right. No. The New York Stock Exchange is open 9.30. Right, you can have a nice leisurely breakfast, ride the subway a few stops, and easily get there by 9.30. And it knocks off for the day at 4 p.m. You've got time to go home to get a shower, get changed, go out to dinner before you hit the opera because rich people value their time. Poor people, oh, it's okay if they get their schedule two or three days in advance. It doesn't matter. Right? They should work evenings. They should work weekends. They should keep everything open for the rest of us. God says, no. That's unconscionable. Everyone should get a day off every week, and it should be the same day so that they can build their schedule far in advance. Instead of wondering, am I going to be on? Am I going to be off? What is my boss going to demand this week? I don't know. God says, no, you will know. You get the Sabbath day off every week. You can bank on it. God offers the same protection to the poor that he does to the rich. He tells the rich landowner, the person who has gates and a big house and manservants and maidservants, give them the day off. It's not your day, it's God's day. So don't force your employees to work. Let them keep the day holy by resting. So the first way that we violate this command, no doubt, is by profaning the Sabbath day by working on it. What's obviously in the command. But the flip side is also just as true. We profane this day by neglecting our work on the other six days. My grandfather always called this the 11th commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Command says, have a lawful calling and be diligent in it. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a homemaker. Maybe you have a full-time job. Whatever your calling is, make sure you have one and make sure you work it. None of this, well, I kind of let Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday get away from me. Didn't do my homework, was out having fun with my friends, but I've got Sunday and I'll catch up on all my schoolwork that day. God says, no, do the work of your calling on the six days. Make sure that you are caught up. The idea is not do paid work on the six days and then yard work and housework on the seventh. That's not what God is saying. 
If you're a homeowner, yard owner, pet owner, car owner, you have the six days to take care of that stuff. That's your stuff. You do your stuff on your days. But God says the seventh day, this one off, that's my day. You don't do your stuff on my day. You do my stuff on my day. And on my day, I say, rest. Do all your weekly tasks on the six days so that you have the seventh free to sanctify by abstaining from work. (coughs) The secular world gets this. My brother works at an accounting firm. He has unlimited time off. He can take as much paid time off as he wants. But the other half of the policy is that he also has to bill a certain number of hours per year. You have to work this amount. If you work this amount, you can take as much time off as you want. God say, work the six days and the seventh will be free. If you actually do what you need to do, you can do it all in six days. In that regard, the Sabbath is an expression of faith. A way of saying, God, I trust you. I don't have to work seven days a week. I don't have to believe that everything will fall apart if I take a day off. I can rest. I can stop. I can commit this into your hands rather than saying, it's all on me. I'm going to white knuckle this. I can't let anything go. I have to be watching it all the time. Paying attention all the time. Now it baffles me. It really does. Why are God's people so hard-hearted on this subject? You would think God was trying to take their food. He was trying to take their car. He was trying to take their fun. Instead, he's trying to take their worries and their cares and concerns and say, stop worrying about your job. Don't worry today about the boss, the car, the yard, the dog. All of those things will be fine. They'll still be there Monday morning. Let those things go. Stop worrying. Get rid of that stress. Take my day and make it holy by resting. You say you're a believer. You say you want to be holy. God says, here's a whole day every week for holiness. You say you're overworked and doing too much. God says, here's a day every week to stop it. To not do too much. To rest and enjoy me. Hear this. You who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great, and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord is sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds." That's Amos 8. What does God say? Hear this, you people, who can't wait for the Sabbath to be over so that you can resume your dishonest trading. Selling light weights of food for heavy weights of silver. God says those who are desperate for the Sabbath to end so they can get back to the work they love so much are the same people who cheat others and have no idea how to rest in God. 
Don't be those people. Being those people is forbidden in the fourth commandment. Being the people who pile into the restaurants, complain about the food, and tip in a lousy fashion at Sunday lunch. The commandment says, don't do that. Sabbath breakers are greedy people, are violent people, are abusive people. So says Amos 8. But on the flip side, once again, though the commandment says don't keep it defectively, the commandment also forbids the excessive keeping of the day. And this is what Jesus rebuked in his generation. Jesus in his generation confronted the Pharisees over and over about the Sabbath day. And every time he told them, stop excessively keeping this day. Matthew chapter 12, if you'll turn there. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what it is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple, but if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. So Jesus confronts the Pharisees. First thing to note in this passage is that he says, he announces as if it's a major announcement, verse 8, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Notice what he doesn't say. Look, people, the Sabbath is going away within a couple of years. Or, you're all stuck on the Sabbath, I'm going to torpedo the Sabbath in about six weeks. He doesn't say that. He announces that he's Lord of the Sabbath like this lordship is going to continue. I am going to be boss, I am boss of the Sabbath, and I will continue to be boss of the Sabbath for a very long period of time. The Sabbath is not about to be abolished. So he announces that he's Lord of the Sabbath, and as Lord of the Sabbath... He says, the Sabbath allows for works of necessity, it allows for works of piety, it allows for works of mercy. The way he puts it in verse 12, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, he doesn't mean that your daily calling is not good. He means rather, it's lawful to do extraordinary works of good or works of good that have to be done right now on the Sabbath day. 
So thus he starts with works of necessity. The disciples picking grain and eating it. Jesus says when people are hungry, they need to eat. When David and his men were hungry, they needed to eat. Therefore they ate the showbread. God gave that to them. Works of necessity are valid on this day. What's a work of necessity? Something that has to be done. Something that will suffer major or serious harm if it is neglected on this day. So that's obvious things like putting out fires, breaking up fights, the work of law enforcement, the work of firefighters, medical work. Somebody runs their motorcycle into a tree, they need medical attention today, not tomorrow. Those are works of necessity. In the same, under this heading, we could certainly put utilities. We like having electricity on Sunday, and we appreciate those who work on Sunday to get that to us. Coal mining may also fall under this. As I've mentioned before, I'm open to the argument that some of the 24-hour jobs that are around here could possibly come under this heading of works of necessity. Um, on the one hand, right, it's what's more likely, that coal executives are greedy or that coal mining is a true work of necessity? But aside from that point, right, we're not here to argue that with them, but just to say, Jesus says, David did no wrong, my disciples did no wrong, it's fine to eat and make food on Sunday. Jesus also mentions works of piety. The priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless, verse 5. What does he mean by that? The work required to serve God, yes, it's work, and yes, it's part of your calling. And no, it's not a violation of the Sabbath. Right? Okay, it's work to get up, get dressed, and come to church. That's work. And as I mentioned, there are people who say it's a day of rest, therefore I won't get up, get dressed, and come to church. Those people are keeping the Sabbath excessively. Jesus says you're going beyond what's written, you're doing too much. Just like a Pharisee. Don't say, it's work to worship God, and this is a day of rest, therefore I won't worship God. No, he says it's work to worship God, but it's legitimate work. You can call it a violation of the Sabbath, but it's something that has to be done. The priests in the temple had double sacrifices on the Sabbath. They were profaning the Sabbath. They were doing twice as much as on the other days. Jesus says that's okay. It's a work of piety. It's a work of serving God. Works of holiness properly belong to the Sabbath day. Any work of seeking to be holy in obedience to God is a work that belongs on this day. Thus to say, it's work to read theology. It's work to listen to sermons. It's work to put away sin. It's work to evangelize. It's work to disciple. Misses the point. All of those things are things that Christian people should be doing on this day. It's God's day. Those are God's works. Finally, Jesus mentions works of mercy. He specifically heals, right? He does medical work on Sunday or on the Sabbath day. What man is there who wouldn't pull a sheep out of a pit? Who wouldn't heal a daughter of Abraham or a man with a withered hand? That's what Jesus does. So if your calling is medical, yes, by all means, work on the Sabbath day. Jesus did it, and he tells us to do it. So, there are some people, let me just put it this way, keeping the Sabbath excessively as possible 
Keeping the Sabbath excessively is a great sin. Keeping the Sabbath excessively is common in certain Christian circles. And you may have been burned by some of those circles in your past. But you cannot argue from that. Therefore, there is no legitimate keeping of the Sabbath. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their excessive keeping of the Sabbath. But at the same time announced, I am Lord of the Sabbath. So don't keep the Sabbath defectively. Don't keep it excessively. Keep it like Jesus did. And he came and on the Sabbath day, he did a work of mercy. He rose from the dead to save us. By rising on the first day of the week, Jesus claimed it as his. This is my day. This is the Lord's day. And he claimed you as his. These are my people. These are the Lord's people. So you are God's people on God's day. There's gospel motivation for keeping this commandment. It's because Jesus rose. Jesus lives. Jesus claims the day as his. And he claims you as his. So as his people, celebrate this day. Right? Americans, tomorrow is the 4th of July. Tomorrow is America's day. And I hope you're all going to celebrate being American. But as Christians, today, the Sabbath day, Sunday, is our day. We are the people who belong to the Lord, and this is the day that belongs to the Lord, and therefore, we celebrate it. You're God's beloved on God's day. Act like you belong to Him. Don't work. Be holy by resting. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us to see that we are yours and the day is yours. And that as your people on your day, this is our day of freedom. Our day of emancipation from our daily work and the burdens of our callings and the burdens of ownership and the stuff and things that we have to take care of. Today is a day to relax, to be with you, to let go of the cares of this world, to forget about the bills, and to forget about the hardships and the work, and to remember instead your great works of creation and redemption. Thank you that Jesus rose on this day. Thank you that we are his people. Father, we bless you for giving us a day of rest, We ask that you would help us to make full use of it, to enjoy you on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.